2: So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcasting, and welcome to an all-new Nerd Alert. And boy, today are we going to finally live up to our name. I know in the intro we say that we talk about all things geek culture and, and We try to be true to that, but let's be honest. Lately, it's been a lot of movie stuff. It's not a bad thing. We're doing a lot of that lately. So this week, we're gonna hold up uh, what we promise you in our intro. We're gonna talk about comic books, just comic books, not comic books that have been made into movies, not comic books that we want to see made into movies. Just flat out comic books. Um, When you're not gonna deliver on that fourth host that we keep telling you we have that hasn't been on the show for years though we're not doing that part Scott has a yearbook Scott is showing you a picture of himself when he was a young man when he was just a young George Costanza when he was a young
1: warthog (laughs) when he was a young warthog
2: very nice Thank you. This has been Nerd Alert performs <laughs> Lion King. Please What do you come want me to do, her. Dan? What do you
0: want me to do? Dress and drag and do the
2: hula.
1: <laughs> We're waiting,
2: Jay. I can't sing that part. I'm sorry. I know it. I like we,
1: uh, I, it. We did not. Yeah, A- yep, yep, yep. We did. We did. We, didn't... A- yep, yep, yep. We, we did not mean to hijack
2: the intro. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I know.
2: It just happens automatically. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell your yearbook had to do with anything, but. For those who don't see this, let me keep on. Today, we're talking about just straight-out comic books, comic book stories, and graphic novels. We enjoyed that we're recommending you read. It's going to be sort of like when you walk into, if you're old enough to remember, a video rental store, and they had a staff pick section, or your local library where they have a staff pick section. It's what this is. It's the Nerd Alert staff picks. Uh, that's what we're getting into today, but before we get into that, let me introduce the people who are going to be getting into that with me. Did you catch all that? Okay. First up, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Bridge, the man who keeps the nerd in the top nerded to me network, my right-hand man and yours, Commander Scott.
1: So, I, I like history. I like, you know, military. I like naval, uh, Navy. Anything naval. I like all that shit. I like traffic lights. I like, I like, like traffic. traffic lights. I like traffic lights. But not when they are read. It's a great song. Everybody needs to listen to it. Anyway, um, this is the unexpected musical edition. <laughs> um, uh, a story popped up uh, in my feed because that's it's it's where I get most of my stuff. I just flip through things and I'm like, hey, and I head down rabbit holes and, and things. I do try to verify these things before I bring them on the air, though. But this one uh, has to do with the USS Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Which was eh? The first battleship made entirely of cheese? No, no, no. Although that would be cool. Um, no, uh, the USS Wisconsin was a, a, a an Iowa class take two, an Iowa class battleship. She was originally commissioned in nineteen forty four. She did see action at the end of World War II, for engaging the Japanese. Blah 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 blah. She was decommissioned in nineteen forty eight, but she was reactivated. Two years later in 1950, just as the Korean War was kind of ramping up and getting started, where she saw service in Korea. The story here is about the first time in the ship's history. I think Jay knows, has heard this story. Have you heard this story?
0: Maybe. It depends on where you're going with it. I mean, you mentioned Korea, and that's usually where my head goes with Wisconsin.
1: It sounds like the kind of story he would know. Yeah, well, so... The ship took its first direct hit during the Korean conflict. Jay's heard this story. I actually hadn't heard this story. Uh, on March 15, 1952, her first direct hit. There were no deaths. Three sailors were injured. There was minimal damage to the ship when a hit from a Korean shore battery, a 155 millimeter shore gun, got lucky. It fired a volley of, like, five rounds or some shit. Four landed short. One, one round managed to strike her on the decks. It struck, I think, the blast shield on one of her deck guns or something. We're talking minimal, like, no actual damage. Nothing that really had to be repaired other than buffed out, right? Put the blast shield down. I can't even see. How am I supposed to fight? (laughs) Oh, she fought. In response, in response... The Wisconsin returned fire with all nine of her 16-inch guns. All nine. Totally obliterating anything in the position on the hills and anywhere close to that. They just laid waste to that entire hillside. I mean, we're talking craters. Now, when I for those who aren't indoctrinated, when I say... So, uh, a 150-millimeter gun, which is what hit the Wisconsin, right... 150 millimeters is the diameter of of, of the round, which is going to be about six inches or so. About a six-inch shell, something like that. Yeah. So when I say 16-inch guns, I mean, that is a 16-inch diameter. So we went from six inches to return fire with 16-inch shells. That is a large pizza (laughs) diameter shell. Yes. Um, But the funny part and the reason I bring this story up, the... the the icing on this cake is... The best part. The best part is after this this barrage is done and anything living within like a half mile radius of this gun's battery position where it was fired.
2: You can say they decimated it.
1: I could. I won't because I hate that use of the word. But I don't acknowledge... It's a different story. Anyway. um, But uh, one of her sister ships, one of her escort ships, basically signaled the Wisconsin with uh, signal lamps because they were under radio discipline and stuff. The message from the sister ship to the Wisconsin simply read, temper, temper. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. It's
0: like, now, okay. now. <laughs> Now this is this is unconfirmed, but I'm pretty sure
2: Wisconsin's reply was they started it. <laughs> I just imagine that scene from the Last Jedi with Kylo Ren standing in the the ATST, more more. The commander what? on watch. No, no, everything, everything we've got. Fire, right there, everything.
0: Well, I've, I've heard this story a few times. on, okay. on the TikToks, uh-huh. that it pops up. Uh huh. And one of my favorite tellings of it, the guy telling the story goes, and at the, it was at that point, after they got hit, that the captain said, you see that hill over there? Yeah, I don't want to anymore.
1: Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> see that hill anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Make that hill go away.
0: I don't want it there anymore.
1: Yeah, literally they they, they discharged a full broadside into that entire hill.
0: Why is it that why is it that American navy ships that are supporting with artillery always do the craziest things cuz like that's also like the story about the USS Texas flooding mm-hmm. the ballast tanks on one side to to elevate their guns elevation. yeah
1: to elevate their guns well i mean that we could do an entire uh, chat sometime about the history of battleships in in navy and and modern era of warfare because battleships really haven't been in use since the Korean conflict. Uh, and even in Korea and probably the reason that the Wisconsin emptied, you know, did a full broadside is because that's probably the only time in that war. He got to use a full broadside because there has not been a modern major naval engagement against capital ships since Leyte Gulf in World War Two. Um, because starting t- toward the end of Korea and going into Vietnam, we, we got away from battleships and went more toward carrier groups. Anyway, sorry you were gonna say. Well, I, was I was torn
2: between thinking, going down the rabbit hole with you and, and not in the show. It,
0: I, I I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, like it, they get hit, and I just you know you got some officer on the deck that's like, Captain, we've been hit with an artillery shell. We'll return fire. How many guns, sir? All of them. All of them. What? They shot first. Sir. All all of, all them. of Yeah, them. it's fine. You Give heard me a scotch.
1: Yeah, forty forty millimeter fours, anti aircraft guns, everything we got.
0: Point it that way. Yeah. That's where the shell came
2: yeah. from, right? That <laughs> hillside. Point it that way. It's like, it's like that guy in Lord of the Rings battle of the Helm's Deep to the old guy who lets go of the arrow too soon and, and kills an Urika and they all stop and stare like, Oh,
1: like we weren't gonna do this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You shoot yeah. at us. We're gonna, yeah. We're gonna shoot back, <laughs>
0: yeah. I love it. Anyway, love it. that that yeah.
1: was so. That was my historical nerd fact for the thing. It, it, I thought it was funny and hilarious, and
0: it's one of my favorite stories. Yeah,
1: of, of U, U.S. Navy hijinks ensue. Over overreacting,
2: old just to old touch. salty dog Navy stories. Oh, uh, Navy stories. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, let me, fella, uh, finish out this terrible trio, ladies and gentlemen, joining us. From somewhere in time and space, perhaps via DeLorean, it's the doc.
0: In certain extreme situations, the law is inadequate. In order to shame its inadequacy, it is necessary to act outside the law, to pursue natural justice. This is not vengeance. Revenge is not a valid motive. It's an emotional response. No, not vengeance. Punishment.
2: Okay, Jay, I'm going to take two. Remember the rule in the show is if you're going to quote a movie, you can't just read the quote. You have to perform it. get to so give, it give you a moment, again. okay? Hey, Do yourself, okay? Get your motivation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now remember, your and... family has been killed, completely and utterly obliterated John in front Travolta of you. John
2: Volta has wiped out your whole yep. family. Yep. And action. Revenge
0: is not a valid emotional response.
2: No, 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 no. no. I said Jay, not Latino John Voight.
0: I'm going to allow it. I'll allow it. This is not vengeance. No. Not vengeance.
1: It's punishment.
2: What if instead of John DeVolta, my family was killed by a giant snake? This giant snake suffocated
0: my family.
2: Uh, All at the same time, it was a big snake.
0: (laughs) Never look into the eyes of those you punish. They'll haunt you
2: forever. <laughs> and that has been Latino John Voight uh, doing Thomas Jane Punisher. <laughs> Love it. Got it. I think I nailed
0: so, that one. Yes.
2: You know, you zigged when I thought you were going to zag, but I'm not mad at it. But like I said, this week we're here to talk strictly about comic books. Not movies based on them, not video games based on them, not comics we want to see made into movies, although some of these would probably fit in that category, but we're here just to talk about the form, the art form that is sequential art with 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 words and thought bubbles and speech bubbles, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is comic books. Like I said, this is sort of a staff pick, kind of recommend, uh, uh, sort of roundtable discussion, we're all going to throw out books we enjoy, tell you why we enjoyed them, and why you recommend you should read them. We'll talk about them for a bit. We'll move on to the next one. That's all we're doing this week. So, uh, does anybody want to jump off? Well,
1: um, so, uh, the reason I think this got brought up is, is, you know, somebody twisted my arm here recently and forced me to purchase and read Quiver you know, and such. It was You you're welcome. It was uh which is which is the you know, the return of uh Oliver Queen and A Glorious
2: so, Resurrection
1: back back into the DC uh universe of uh well whatever earth he's on at that point. I'm not sure on that. Anyway, that's here that's neither here nor there. Uh and that, that sent me down the rabbit hole of, of of getting some stuff that I wanted to reread and, and things of that nature. And so I, I think we should point out, you know, at the beginning, you know, you, you've already said staff picks. Obviously this is not going to be a be all end all. There's going to be stuff we're not going to mention because there's just too much. We can't, you know, you can't cover everything and everybody likes, uh, different things. Um, but when it comes to what we're going to cover, there, there's, there's a couple of different ways of looking at this, you know, because you've got individual issues of comics, and then those get com- combined into trades, you know, uh, yeah, like you're holding up there, you know, just one issue of a comic, which in, in my personal, just me personally, you know, is the worst way to consume comics. Um, you want to push that button this early? No, 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 it's just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying anything against anybody who, who collects individual issues. I, I I'm not, um, but that that's a that's a different discussion. So, but when it comes to things we think people should read, right, uh, and everything, we've got different ones. It can be a single issue. It can be a single trade. It can be a collection of trades. It can be an entire, you know, like run of a specific author. Like right, like we're not we're not pigeonholing into a specific way of consuming. Comics, and I bring this up because my first one that I want to that I would like to bring up is uh, Captain America Volume Five, and 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 when I say that, what I mean is the Ed Brubaker run. So you need to be a lot more specific. Yeah. So
2: volumes are like time in a Doctor Who story. They're wibbly wobbly. They're, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, the the volumes. Some people. But this one was published from January 2005 to July 2009. Uh, and it was written primarily by Ed Brubaker. And I'm sorry, but um, I've read a lot of Captain America over the years. And Ed Brubaker gets that character. Like, that's the Winter Soldier arc, right? That's, yeah, so he started, with, there? Yeah. he started with Winter... A lot of what has been cherry-picked for Captain America in the MCU came from Ed Brubaker's run. Uh, Bucky Barnes comes back he brings him back as as the, uh, the Winter Soldier in fact there was a there was a uh, joke I guess you could call it or a thing that was going around about this time uh, was that somebody had published or somebody had said in an interview or something that in all of comic books there have only been two deaths that has ever stuck one was Bucky Barnes and the other one was uh, Ben Parker and the same year uh, they brought both characters back in comics. Um, and I thought that was funny. But yeah, so you, so the the Winter Soldier comes back from that. Then we move straight into the death of Captain America storyline, which was great. And then, you know, Bucky taking on the mantle of Captain America for a while before we have the return of Steve Rogers' storyline um, uh, and, and everything. And, and this was long before we got the storyline where uh, uh, Sam becomes Cap. Which is kind of where we are in the MCU right now. We skip straight to that in the MCU, which is fine. Um, but this is a great run. This is this is this is wonderful. This is beautiful. This is awesome. Um, it, it's right 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 in the that that whole crux just after um, Operation Desert Storm era, you know, in in real life. So, you know, you you had a lot of stuff um, going on that that Brew Baker was trying to kind of. Can bring in uh, Alex Ross designed the revised Captain America costume that Bucky was wearing. Uh, in fact, I think he did a few covers during this run. I don't think he did, did any actual issues. I don't know on that. I had to look, but he did covers uh, and, and such. And yeah, the story arcs that were in this were great, and they're wonderful. And you know, uh, honestly, I don't I don't know if there's omnibuses out there because I haven't looked it up. If you can get them like that. But if you could get your hands on on these uh, uh, on this 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 run it's it's really a great moment it's a great period in Captain America to because it's one of those characters that can he can be done very well or he can be done very badly you know um, and everything so sorry
2: it's really good cap espionage kind of stuff it, it has more in common with like a born movie um, than straight up superhero stuff. Which is not to say there isn't plenty of superheroics in it, but it's 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 much more into that shadowy kind of world. Uh, Black Widow is a big supporting character yeah. who comes in and out of the book a lot. Yeah. Um, Nick Fury plays some some uh, a role in some stuff. It's it's a really great run. If, if you if you enjoyed those movies, this, uh, particularly if you enjoyed Winter Soldier, the movie, yeah, like Scott said, they they cribbed a lot from this particular run because it's that same kind of idea of what is a world war two hero look like operating nowadays. Um, but he's been around long enough. It's not all that sort of like fish out of water. I don't understand how the world works kind of stuff. Mm. Um, he's gotten a better grip on how the world works and it's a really good story. And it, it does exist there. There is at least one hardcover omnibus, um, that collects, if not the entire work, the bulk of that
1: work. Yeah.
2: Um, when we say omnibus, what we mean is they've taken that entire storyline and crammed it and whatever tie in books or crossovers it had, that entire complete storyline in one collected volume. Um, yeah, depending that... how it's printed, if it's hardcover, soft color. Yeah. Hard cover or soft cover, black and white or color, the quality of the printing in the paper can vary anywhere from seventy five dollars to hundred and fifty bucks, depending on how many issues and whatnot. But if you just want to get pick the whole thing up in one shot, um, uh, omnibus is a good way to go. Um,
1: now there is one thing with with the return of Bucky Barnes that I have always maintained that I've I've chatted with people about that has tended to not be a popular uh, viewpoint. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this going in that I understand and I do not. Um, contest that uh, it was always Baker's intention to bring Bucky Barnes back. That you know, Winter Soldier was Bucky Barnes. I get that. That's fine. I'm fine with it. But, if a, if a writer had wanted to retcon that, other than Brubaker, okay, there is a vehicle in the way it's written that would allow it. Because when, you, when you're in the middle of the winter, story, winter Soldier story arc, when Captain America becomes familiar with the character of the Winter Soldier, he learns of his existence, and he believes it's Bucky, right? And he's doing um, his investigation, and he's going after him. He's looking for the Winter Soldier. Like, everybody around him keeps telling him, it, it's not Bucky. Bucky's dead. We don't know who the Winter Soldier is, right? But Cap believes. Cap believes it's Bucky. In the final showdown, Cap uses the Cosmic Cube, which, if anybody is a fan of the MCU, they'll, they'll know it as the Tesseract, which becomes the reality stone. But in the comics, it's the Cosmic Cube, right? And, and it allows the wielder to rewrite reality based on their, their will and, and, and everything like that. And he uses the Cosmic Cube to restore Bucky's memories, Okay. But the wording he uses, he gets the Cosmic Cube in hand, he has Bucky there with him, or he has the Winter Soldier, he says, be the man I know you to be. He, You could write that he used the Cosmic Cube unknowingly to make him Bucky, where he wasn't before. The only issue with that would be then, so if it
2: wasn't Bucky before... Hmm who was it prior to that moment that would be up to whoever's
1: writing if they wanted to pull that trick somebody
2: trigger. who's equally as heavy of an impact as its
1: book. That, to, to, to make, make the sto- to make the story play yeah i agree i agree but everybody forgets that one scene that panel when he says be the man i know you to be that's 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 different wording than be the man you are or be the man you were, or, or be, be the man exactly, kind of, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because yep. yep. the cosmic cube can can do some wonky shit. It's done wonky shit over the years. It's, yes, it's, yeah. in
2: in the MCU, it got truncated as being an Infinity Stone. In in Marvel Comics, it is its own Infinity Gauntlet level thing. Thing. Yeah, yeah. You can rewrite, reshape reality to however you wish. Whoever holds it, um, which leads to some very. Interesting storylines later with the whole, you know, like cat being a Nazi thing came from the the cosmic cube. So yeah.
1: anyway, but that's my yeah. first go to is is the Brewmaker run. So
2: yeah. Very nice. Very very good way to start. It's a great run. Woo. Jay, you want to toss one out or you want me to go? Picture it. Okay.
1: University okay. of Northern Iowa. Okay. Hang
2: on. Two thousand nine.
1: I've I've never been there. I can't picture that.
2: Okay. It. It's fine. Okay. You and I can't just get it. Okay. I was there once. I,
0: I'm a math major taking film classes. So <laughs> they all know I'm a math major. And, like, I wasn't just taking film classes, I was taking some writing classes. So, like, fiction. One of the classes, one of the film classes I took was called Film and Literature. Okay. So, we would read a book and watch the adaptation. We'd read a book, watch the adaptation, read a book, watch the adaptation. Well, final project for that class is we had to find our own book to read and an adaptation. So my associate professor, because she wasn't a full professor yet, we called her by her first name. I can't remember what her first name is right now. I knew she was a huge fan of Japanese uh, mangas. Okay. And so I knew she'd probably say yes to this. And I was like, hey, can I do a graphic novel? And she said, sure, you can do a graphic novel. So I actually did two graphic novels. Our uh, presentation was only supposed to be 10 minutes. And uh, at like the 18-minute mark, she kept saying to me, are you uh, going to wrap this up soon? Are you going to wrap this up soon? So uh, anyway, the adaptation, one of the adaptations I did was V for Vendetta. Uh, so, I of course had seen the movie, but then I had to find the graphic novel. So I did, uh, and from Alan Moore and David Lloyd, um, it was my example of not quite a faithful adaptation from the source material. <laughs> uh yes, they, it's, it's, it's putting it. Yeah, yeah. They they took things. They took things from it. Yep. I never realized how much they left out they, of it.
1: They deviated from it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, until I read the graphic novel, and then so the source I used as like a faithful adaptation was um, Marv's story from Sin City, because mm-hmm. that was basically a frame for
1: frame. That was it. Was almost shot for shot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I'm, so that's I got to read V for Vendetta, and uh, I loved it. I loved the graphic novel. I I actually enjoyed it way more than the film adaptation. Really? Like, I enjoyed the film adaptation on its own.
1: That's interesting. And, like,
0: that's that's all I knew was the film adaptation. Yeah. And then I read the graphic novel, and I was like, holy shit. What? They're leaving out a lot of very important information here. Yeah. And then, like, I went back and watched V for Vendetta again, and I'm like, I'm going to take this as its own thing. Yes, it's. To me, it was in title only. Well, not title only. There's yeah. some other aspects.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But
0: yeah. so my my first recommendation would be V for Vendetta. And if you've seen the movie, do yourself a favor, find the graphic novel. If you really enjoyed it, it the graphic novel really I thought went deeper into a lot of the political aspects, a lot of his motivation, a
1: lot more of his backstory. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The graphic novel. So in, in the movie, v, v is is your protagonist vehicle for the audience, and he's yeah. doing his thing and everything. But you don't really get a great emotional tie for V because you're emotionally invested in Evie. Yeah. In the movie, whereas the graphic novel, yeah, you're you're completely invested in. Um, uh. Like, the, the character of V uh, and everything. And, uh, it, yeah, I, I agree with you. I've, um, yeah, I know. Um, so is
0: he still recording?
1: I don't know, but I am, so it's okay. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm the same with you, actually, Jay. I, I saw the movie first. And I'm like, oh, let's yeah. let's let's go read the graphic novel. And the graphic novel is like, holy hell, this was based off of that. Like, yeah. the, you know, the, like yeah. like this is this is what they put on screen, and this is what they had to pull from. Um, uh,
0: that's what I thought too. Like, that's why my presentation went so long. My my associate professor was not happy with me, but the rest <laughs> of the class, like the class, is like, wait, this guy's a math major. No, he's going to school to teach math. What this is what? No, wait a minute, He shouldn't have this kind of a presentation right now, and I mean, I was like going into super detail, and my professor's just like okay let's let's, this, this let's wrap, wrap it up, up. Let's i've I've,
1: up. I've got twenty other kids to get through here, guy
0: <laughs> but yeah i like the thing I really enjoyed about the graphic novel was like v is not just the one person no. It's a persona. Yeah. It's it needs to be carried on, and that's what I loved about the ending of the graphic yes. novel is that the, Evie continues yes. that. Yes,
1: you can kill the person under the mask, but you can't yeah, kill yeah. the mask. Yeah, like you can't kill the idea. You well, know. I
0: I think and it, I know it gets really heavy, like politically, and there's some it gets kind of wonky in
1: spots. Yeah,
0: but I I mean I really loved it. I yeah. thought it was great. Uh, it still sticks with me to
1: this day. Like it is great, and 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 you know, it's 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 a great story. It's a great allegory. Yeah, uh, that that's that's one thing with V for Vendetta is you got to look at the political climate of the time, which is great, but you have to color that with the crazy that is Alan Moore. <laughs> I mean. Alan Moore. Let, let's let's face it. The man is uh the man is unique in his own right uh and and such. So, yeah, V for V for Vendetta. I'm right there with you, Jay. I uh I I watched the movie first and then I read the graphic novel and I'm like, holy hell, <laughs> this is night and day different. Yeah. Uh, from from what is I Go don't ahead. think
2: they're that different.
1: Really, I think so. First of all. <laughs> Alan Moore
2: writes a dense story. He does. Yes. There's no way you could do his story in two hours as a movie. No No, way, shape, or form. Not possible. So while it does trim a lot of fat off of his story, I think the bones of his story are still there. We just had to trim a lot of fat off to get it to fit within two hours. Yeah, there's changes. There's differences. They they amped up the action a little bit because they knew it was going to be sold as a comic book movie, and people expect that because there's like no action in the novel at all. Um, they took some some liberties with certain things, but the the crux of the story and the main impetus of the story is completely intact from him. Uh, all we did is is skew the timeline a little bit because it's not set in like a dystopian 80s anymore.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. But everything essential to the book is in the movie.
1: The, the, the essential core plot lines, yes. The plot line is intact. I agree. But like, like I was saying with, with Jay is the, the, the movie shifts focus to Evie as far as a sympathetic. It makes you feel for Evie and you identify with Evie. Whereas the book focuses more on V, in my opinion. Like yeah. there's, a, there's a focus shift and between... It, 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 you should reread the book. It's possible. I, I've only read the book once. It was years ago. However... When it comes to Alan Moore adaptations, um, like I, I like in this one, I liked the graphic novel better. With Watchmen, I liked the movie a little better. So,
0: yeah, I, I just thought it was—I thought it was unique. It was a very unique graphic novel. Um, it still sticks with me, like to this day, that graphic novel, and I read that what like 15 years ago now what about the graphic novel jumped out at you I, i just i know you said that he writes a dense story but i like the details i like all the things i feel like there's a lot more background to the characters and you understand his motives a lot better as to why he's got this vendetta why he's doing what he's doing um you get that across in the movie. But I just feel like it really is fleshed out a lot more in the graphic novel. Uh, and my my favorite thing was that you can, and I think Scott said it best, you can kill the man behind the mask, but you can't kill the mask.
2: Ideas are bulletproof.
0: Yes. Yes. And that's that's what I really enjoyed was that the, like at the end of the graphic novel, his ideal, his like... Persona keeps living on without him actually being alive, and, and you don't a get perfect... that. You don't get God, that punch in the movie. You know what I mean? Like you don't get that same sort of punch. That's
2: well, that's how I feel. I'm not here talk about the movies, right? you are here talk about the comics, and yeah, the comic it's... is fantastic, and it, it does yeah. a great job of yeah. of being universal to that feeling of the government is, is corrupt and and I don't like it. And and that, that feeling of rebelliousness of righteous rebellion, uh, the graphic novel captures that beautifully. And there will always be a new generation of teenagers to discover that. Um, and by that, I mean, their teenage angst And this book, which is written very much for teenage angst. Um, it speaks to larger issues, but it taps into that. Uh, so there will, there will always be an, an audience for the book. Um, and definitely, yeah. If you've you've seen one but not the other, I think they work beautifully off each other. The, the the graphic novel, just by by lieu of being a graphic novel, gets to get a a lot more story across and is, is much more dense, a lot more background. Um, but I feel, for being a two hour version of that story, the movie does a great job of it. Now, but
1: hmm? no, I was
0: just gonna say. go read that graphic novel, because you'll love it. If you haven't read it, go read it. If you're into details and, like, a very solid story structure, and then you don't even have to worry about issues, it's just all in one place. It's all in one place. Um, might take you a day or two to read, and then you'll be just talking tense. about it. Yeah.
1: Well, you, you mentioned if you're, if, if you're a stickler for details, and it, it always killed me with with both the, the graphic novel and the movie, that the the uh, the 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 visage, the what what did he call it? Um, uh, 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 Valorous visitation of a bygone vexation, I think it's been a while. Um, but that he chooses is Guy Fox, right? Guy. Yeah, the original Which means nothing to anyone outside of, of the UK. <laughs> yeah, but the original Guy Fox was not a conspirator. He had no desire to overthrow the government. He didn't give two shits about the cause. He was just hired because he was the explosives guy. The point, Scott, it <laughs> <that> doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. No Matter what he intended. What matters is how we remember him. I, I, exactly, yeah. and exactly, and and well, but Jay Jay said, "If anybody's a stickler for details, and I, I happen to be a stickler for details, and so as part of when I fell down this rabbit hole, I looked up the original history, and and you know, found a really great book on the history of the original Gunpowder Treason, and and that's something people should read too if you haven't if you haven't read it. Um, or
2: watch
1: the HBO series, or watch the HBO series." But yeah, so Guy Fawkes wasn't a conspirator. He 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 didn't want to overthrow the guy. He didn't care. But again, that's the point. Doesn't matter what he wanted, it matters how we remember. Dude, I, I know, I get it. It's still it's just, it's just details. Details. Yeah. But, anyway,
2: uh, sorry. good solid solid choice, Jay. Definitely a good pick. Definitely you know, wet your toe. Don't don't jump right into Watchmen. <laughs> if you've never read a comic or a graphic <laughs> novel, don't jump right to Watchmen. Work your way up to Watchmen. And V is a good starter. Because, uh, geez, if you think V for Vendetta is dense, holy shit.
1: Oh, uh, Watchmen.
2: Yeah. Big. Well, this will come as no surprise to you guys. Uh-oh. Yeah, no. My is first Robin pick Hood? was one... Robin Hood. Close. My first pick, I'm going to the realm of the distinguished competition, DC Comics. Um, this was this was rough. I'll be honest, making a list at all was rough, because when I first just started writing down titles of books I'd recommend to people, it was like 35, and I was like, you well, know, this ain't going to happen. <laughs> uh, so then I was like, all right, let's pick a handful, and let's focus on just like... John, who are some characters you love, and what should I read to get into those characters? Now, Scott's already said I'm forcing him to read Quiver, or forced him to. Yeah, he, I think he, 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 did. Enjoyed it. he did. He did. He, he
1: he came over to my house. He, 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 to my house. He, he twisted my arm behind my back. He held a gun to my head, you know.
2: Uh, it was a bow.
1: Which, it was, I was like, you better read faster, my arm's getting tired. <laughs>
2: Uh, So, I went more with, like, okay, what are characters or or elements of characters that you love, and what are stories that are kind of exemplary for those characters? That's kind of what I focused on for this list, uh, because I have a feeling we'll come back around to this topic again. So, no surprise to anybody, my first pick is going to be a Green Arrow comic, uh, but I'm not going to recommend Quiver. Uh, Even though I love Quiver, and it's the book that got me into Green Arrow. I know, I know, hold on, hold on. (laughs) I am recommending Green Arrow, Crawling Through the Wreckage, from Judd Winnick, my maybe favorite Green Arrow writer of all time. Um, This came out shortly after. So the run you started, Scott, was Mm -hmm. in like the early 2000s. This run hit in 2006. So this is kind of where you're headed if you keep following the run you're on now. Um, This takes place during the era known as one year later. Um, in DC Comics, this big event happened, and then we jumped to one year later. Um, so this was the, It's a jumping-on point, uh, which is kind of the design of one year later. All, the status quo for all of our heroes, all of our main characters, got changed and adjusted in some pretty big ways uh, because we're jumping ahead one year. And we eventually will go back and fill in what happened during that one year. But for this book, uh, you don't need to know because no one else in the book knows yet. But for all the talk of costumed vigilantes and the hard-ons they have for the cities they live in, Uh, as as exemplified and maybe even uh, uh, patronized or parodied by the spirit, uh, where he's basically trying to make love to his city. Um, This is the story all about how his life got flipped, turned upside (laughs) down. Sorry. (laughs) This is the story about a costume vigilante using both His costumed alter ego and his secret identity for one goal. This is the storyline that introduced the concept of mayor Ollie Queen. At the start of this storyline, and how he got to be mayor, it's kind of glossed over. At the start of this storyline, Oliver Queen is the mayor of Star City. Yeah, and his absence it happened in season seven,
1: right? Season is that when that happened?
2: Yes, yes, they did they yeah. a lot of what's in this book did eventually at some point get tackled in the Arrow TV show. That being said, they <laughs> butchered a lot of it. Sorry. Um, he comes back, there's a section of the city called the Glades, which is kind of the bad part of town that has literally been walled off from the rest of the city. And this sets off liberal Ollie Queen like nothing else in the history of these comics before. Uh, I, the reason I picked this is because it really leans into every aspect about Ollie Queen that I love. One of those aspects being, and you can't escape from it, um, thanks to his run with Green Lantern, he, he became uh, inseparably slightly political. Uh, he's very very overarching in his politicalness, but he's, he's a liberal guy. He believes in, in rights for everyone. Anyway, he comes home, they've walled off part of the city, he, he can't stand it, so he's 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 using his alter ego as mayor to help try to change policy politically and put money in the right areas to help re- renovate his city. And at night, he's going out as green arrow to literally clean up the streets. Um, it runs into a lot of really cool storyline uh, elements. I don't want to spoil the entire comic. Um, Jay, here's my selling point for you. His political partners decide he's He's too big for his britches. He's going to ruin all their well-laid plans and they got to get rid of him. So they hire a hitman to take out Ollie Queen, not knowing Ollie Queen is Green Arrow. Jay, if you hire a hitman in the DC universe, who do you hire? Batman. <laughs> no. Red
1: Hit Hood. Hitman.
2: Hit he Red kills hood. people for money. Nightwing. There you go. There you go. I was going for Batwoman, but I'll take Nightwing. Is it is it this guy? It's watch me not be able to turn to this page again now because I did it earlier. Yep, I'm like I can't find it. It's it's this guy. It's Deathstroke the Terminator. Yeah, yeah. Is it it's first? It is the first every comic I read of Green Arrow fighting Deathstroke was this comic right here, bud. Um, and it is it is such a awesome fight scene. It takes up almost an entire issue. Uh, this particular, this is what we call a trade paperback. This is a collection of several individual issues from the comics that that form one storyline. So this is issues sixty to sixty-five of this particular run. Okay, Jay has a, what this trade. is too. Just... Jay has a trade. Good job. Yes, and, and in my Trade's opinion,
1: is the best way to consume comics. But it's I'm a personal opinion.
2: I'm, I'm coming back around it's to a that. Personal opinion. Uh, no, I'm seemingly right over that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the fight with Deathstroke is awesome. It takes up almost an entire issue, um, and the fallout of which to plant seeds that will have huge ramifications for the character going forward for both characters, actually. Um, but it is a great, great storyline. Another thing it tackles and does very correctly is there's a character in this run of the comics that Scott I think you'll meet soon if you haven't met already. Um, uh, I don't yeah. name. No, no, God, I wish I don't want to be. <laughs> um, Danny Brickwell, a.k.a. Brick. I haven't met Brick. He yet. is, okay, he is basically like, forgive my parlance here, an urban version of Ben Grimm. And he's rock-skinned, super strength, uh, but he has, like, white dreadlocks. He starts out as a street-level thug, basically, works his way up to being kind of a minor crime boss. In this story, given everything that's happened in his city, uh, he's working as more or less kind of a good guy vigilante. He's not opposed to crime happening as long as he's getting a cut of it. But in the aftermath of the wall being built in the Glades, the Glades is absolute anarchy. And he realizes that's bad for business. So it features Ollie begrudgingly working with someone who was formerly a... a, um, an adversary who's now a, a, a kind of an ally. It brings back in Mia, um, Mia, not Mia Hawk, uh, whatever, Mia Espidi. Um it, It's a lot of great elements of why I love this character. And again, it's a great introduction to the character because this was a build as a starting on point. Uh, a lot of people are confused as to, like, Deathstruck when he's fighting Green Arrow, it's like, wow, when did he get this good? he used he didn't used to be this good where did he get that gadget why is he using a sword now it's a good sword too where did he get that there's a lot of kind of things like that because we're one year later and we don't know yet but if you enjoy that keep reading the the volumes after this uh so like when i said volumes get confusing this is billed as volume eight that being said every time we start the title over the volumes get retitled again uh but if you get volume nine of this it'll carry on that forward um but a great green arrow story great jumping on point uh a lot of the things of of why this character is so beloved by myself so many others um yeah so green arrow crawling through the wreckage by judd winnick um from 2006 great run um yeah really enjoyed it and the reason uh i'm I'm encouraging you to go buy a trade paperback here is because this again this was originally published in 2006 so tracking down the individual issues is going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so a trade for stuff that's this old, go for it. Buy a trade. Or an omnibus if you want to get like just the entire run. That's fine. But the reason you shouldn't buy new comics as a trade or a graphic novel or whatever you want to call them is because it doesn't actually support the comic book industry. You're supporting Disney and Warner Brothers, who already own these companies and already get money, but you're not supporting the local comic book shops, the writers, the artists, or the people who actually publish these books every month. If you want to actually support comic books and the comic book industry, go to your local comic store, open a holds folder, and start buying weekly or monthly or bi-monthly individual issues of the characters you love. That will keep the comic book industry alive. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. I now feed the floor. So here's the thing:
1: um, while John is not no, wrong, no, no, no,
2: there's the thing, no, no. Ben Grimm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sorry. There's a couple of points here. I need to. We're going to start with that one. Um, you you describe the brick as an urban version of the thing, but the thing comes from New York City. Yeah, you can't get much more urban than New York City. Okay, I, I don't. Um, I, I'm just curious. I
2: parlance, he's he's a gangster okay? Ah,
1: okay. Okay. So he's okay. Gotcha. I, I didn't know exactly what you were going for. He with was that. probably African American <laughs> pre becoming a rock dude. <laughs> so I um... was that all in quotes.
2: I don't understand. Why
1: does? Is... <laughs> so yeah, and and also yeah, when it when it when it comes to you know he, he's he's. He's he's telling you to look for the trade because he because once again we're focusing on the story here like that's what we're recommending is the story and that's that's how you can get it and 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 everything else like that. Um, to the last point, my personal opinion once again trades are the best way to consume because they're. That you get self-contained stories. you get chunks, you can pick up one and you've got a you've got a kind of a beginning, a middle and end. Once again, this is not the focus of this episode. so I'm not gonna dwell on this. but the the biggest thing is if trades do not support the comic industry, then the comic industry needs to change, not me. Sorry. It does, but in lieu of that happening. Yeah. Because here's the thing, you pick up your
2: trade and maybe there's two or three volumes and then all of a sudden it stops and you go, Oh man, I wish there was more of those.
1: Why didn't they make more? Because no one bought the comic. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take up something that takes up three times the physical space that the two or three volumes of trades will. Just so that I can get another trade that I now don't need because I've just got the thing. Because the more, because here's the thing, the more individual issues I buy, then they're like, oh, well, people are buying the individual issues. They're outselling the trades. Then we don't need to do the trades yet because if I have to buy the issues, if I have to buy the issues to keep the industry going, then they're going to outsell the trades. And that's going to give them false data. Scott?
2: Hmm? No. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's never going to happen. The reason they ever started printing trades in the first place was to be a way to help people catch up yeah. to current comics to then subscribe to that but,
1: comic. But then they don't look they it. They
2: never have and never will print trades to the point that it puts regular comics out of commission. Because you know what we call just directly yeah. putting out a trade of something? Yeah. A graphic novel. No. Uh,
1: yeah, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm not advocating getting rid of individual issues. That don't 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 misunderstand that yeah I agree with you there's always going to be individual issues but but my thing is if I have to buy individual issues to keep to support the comic industry and keep the book going that I like then I'm never going to buy the trades because I've already got the individual issues but if is if if I want the trades because i because I don't have the space for individual issues because I like because of the reasons that I have for liking trades but they don't look at trade sales to keep an issue going. You see the, the, the fallacy there. No, no, I don't disagree that the, the way the industry is set up is messed
2: up. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm saying I can't make it change. And you can't make it change. No. So in lieu of it changing and going to, hey, rather than putting out one issue a month, we'll start putting out just one six-issue uh, arc and call it a trade paperback. And you'll just sign up for that trade paperback. And if it sells well, we'll put out another trade paperback of six no, more issues. Yeah. Sure, fine, go to that system. But until they do, yeah. the only way to make sure you get
1: trades to go buy at some point is to buy the individual issues. But if I have the individual issues, I'm never going to buy the trades. Because I've already got the story. Sorry, Jay, go ahead. You're
2: you're If I
1: can change <laughs> and you can change
2: <laughs> we, we can all we can all change. Uh, the
1: power of Rocky can't Yeah, expect. we will uh we'll 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 table this 'cause this is this is uh a, a discussion for another time, I think. We're we're getting off of our staff picks. Get back See, on our you staff.
2: Guys, you guys start talking math and I zone out, but you want to talk about the comic industry.
1: I want to talk about the comic industry. I'll, I'll, I'll talk I'll, I'll I'll continue you know what? We've got another hour left in our format here, so ish I'll talk about this all day long. The format I'll, that we made up. I'll continue
0: i continue the discussion of the comic industry with my next pick, unless yeah.
1: Yeah, way to get back on our shaft there or staff. Thing staff his staff picks back on the staff. That's the joke can I was going for. Yeah, shaft. Shaft. Yep. wait that's a the, minute, right back that's, on there. That's 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 yeah, the, the, that's the joke I was off. going for the staff. Right yeah, back can you get back on our staff first though. <laughs> Clean it off a little bit.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, Scott, we're back to you. I think.
1: No, it's okay. Jay Jay was leading. Okay, okay. Jay was leading. All right, Jay, Go ahead, Jay. Sorry.
0: Yes, this this will come to a shock to no one. Um. I'm not that big into comics. I'm the least versed oh. in comics of all the hosts of this show. I have some, but like in order for me to read a comic, it has to be something that like I really enjoy. Like I'm really going to enjoy it. That being said, my next staff pick
1: uh-huh.
0: is awesome. And I'm not going to awesome. recommend. I don't have all the volumes of this. I think there's I think I'm missing like maybe five more volumes of it because they're all on trades right now i'm pretty sure but it's the um, the max comics uh, version of the punisher uh by garth ennis
1: garth ennis yes so the, Pun- the max imprint
2: for marvel was sort of like uh, the nc-17 version of a comic book it was printed as max to let parents know hey don't get this for your kids uh, and there there are a total of ten trades of that entire series, Jay. Yeah, yeah but but have, you,
1: but you don't need five. you don't need to get all ten volumes. You just need the Garth Ennis run because they they there's some trades that He that, wrote all of those. I thought there were some trades after Garth Ennis. Max, he wrote all of. them. I thought those, he those handed, first ten volumes were all him. There were cause I thought he it off. But anyway,s as long as it's Garth Ennis, yes, keep keep reading. But yeah, I thought he so handed off. I would
0: I would really like to finish out my collection of Punisher Max. Um, I just have sided like I've side tabled it for now because I have other things uh, that I have to worry about, but I would like to finish it at some point in time. So what I'm going to pitch to you though, for my pick is not the whole run. Okay. It's specifically volumes. I got to make sure I get this right. One, three and four. Volumes okay. one, three, and four. So Interesting. Issues, right. what is it? One through six would be volume one, and then I'm yeah, I'm using my reference right now because I don't know it off the top of my head. And then thirteen through twenty four. Back of the trade. Yeah, it's in the front cover. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's got all the trades listed. What are the names so, of those storylines, Jay? So the first one is for volume one is in the beginning. So it's a good introduction to The Punisher. If you're not familiar with The Punisher, or maybe you've just seen the movie. You saw the Thomas Jane movie, and you're like, you know what? I really like The Punisher. I think he's a cool character. Maybe you saw the Netflix show. I don't know. But you want to start reading Punisher comics. Start with Volume 1 in the beginning. Volume 2's not bad. It's um, Irish Kitchen, is mm-hmm. the name of it, or mm-hmm. Kitchen
2: Irish. Kitchen Irish.
0: Which isn't bad. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't... Fit in the storyline of these other three that I'm recommending.
2: It'll circle back around eventually, but I don't think you're there yet. Yeah. So, um, but then,
0: volume three is uh, Mother Russia, uh-huh. and then volume four is Up is Down and Black is White. And to me, those three volumes connect together to make one hell of a story. You get characters coming back, you have references, you have tie-ins, you have all sorts of, like, just a web of people, a lot of people dying, a lot of Frank Castle being very Frank, uh, being very Punisher. Um, The the whole Mother Russia storyline is insane. It's just insane. I remember stopping a few times while reading it and just being like, did they just parachute out of an ICBM? They just parachuted out of an ICBM. Oh, uh, God.
2: When Nick Fury needs something done uh, that even he has plausible deniability about, yeah. yes, he asks Frank for a favor. Well, uh,
1: what what kills me is you bring this up. So I was many years ago. I was reading when I was first reading through the, the Punisher Max storyline, right? Uh, I was, uh, I was working out at the Toyota and everything, and I, I had the trades with me. I would read them on lunch and, well, let's just be honest. I'd read them even when I was supposed to be working, but, um, and, and such. And a friend of mine who sat next to me in our little office that we had, we got to talking about, uh, the Punisher one day, cause I was reading the book. So he was asking me about the Punisher and I was kind of telling him about how the Punisher kind of was as far as. You know, uh, and, uh, he's, he's like, well, he, he made he, the MCU was in its infancy at the time, you know, so he was, cause all he knows of Marvel, he doesn't read comics. So all he knows of Marvel is the MCU and stuff. And he knows the Samuel L. Jackson version of Nick Fury and whatnot. And he asked the question, uh, I think the day before I got, I was reading this trade and the, the day before I started this trade or whatever, and he's like, well, you know, if Frank Castle's such a vigilante and, you know, he's he's on the outside of the law. Because he's not quite, he's not the same as, like, the Avengers or anything who are accepted no. and everything. He's he's underground, right? You know, and it's like, why doesn't Nick Fury just go get him? And, and I'm like, well, I'm sure Nick Fury, because I hadn't, I hadn't seen this issue yet and, and stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, Nick Fury could get him if he, if he wanted to, but Nick Fury doesn't. Because he understands that Frank... You know, performs a service, and, and there's a reason to have him out there. And I'm, if, if Nick Fury wanted him, he could get him. And then the next day or that evening, I started this trade and the whole thing of because uh, because it, it starts out, I think Nick like there's a there's a, a, a like a pedophile or something that gets paroled.
0: He's it's a Russian um, like a Russian mobster that uh, is trafficking children.
1: Trafficking children, yeah, and he gets let yeah. out of jail, right?
0: Yes, and that and
1: Fury's the one who lets him out. Yeah, well, so yeah, then 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 uh, then Frank tracks him down, and kills him, punishes him because he's the Punisher, yeah. and then that's when Nick Fury steps out, you know, and, and he's like, "Yeah, what are you doing here?" He's like, "Who do you think let him out of prison?" He's like, "Why'd you let him out of prison?" He's like, "Because I needed to find you." <laughs> yes, this was the quickest way. It's, it's the easiest way, and so literally, I showed my buddy. I'm like, "Here, look, this is." This is what it is. If he wants him, he knows how to find him. He's not dumb. I just always thought that was funny. Uh, This this
0: storyline, specifically Mother Russia, is one of few times I've literally laughed out loud at a comic that's not supposed to be funny. (laughs) um, Because... So, Frank, like you're saying, you know, he has to do something for Nick Fury, and, and I don't want to spoil too much, but let's just say it involves extracting a young child out of Russia. And when they find the young child, um, Frank dispatches many, many, many an enemy, hmm. and specifically one in front of the young child, and after he dispatches the young child, the you turn the page, and it's a full page of just frank castle standing there with an ak-47 and it's just one speech bubble that says don't be afraid <laughs> i just i started laughing because i'm just don't imagining this poor child just traumatized by seeing people just getting blown away and then frank castle's just like hey, don't be scared it's all right
1: i got this so
2: so i when i started in college i was like i want to start reading punisher comics because i was getting into comics and i knew the punisher from like the spider-man cartoons and the Dolph mm-hmm. london movie and stuff and i was like i want to read a punisher comic And the first one they recommended to me was welcome back frank mm-hmm. which is garth ennis but not max yeah that was under the marvel knights imprint yeah so i read that and there's like three or four hardcover volumes of that i burned through all those and i was like man i wish there was more of those so i was like yeah well, there's the max series there's the what like yeah, Max. It's like Marvel, but unrated. Like like the like if it was a movie, it'd be like an NC seventeen. And after having read three or four volumes of, of Marvel Knights, I was like, it gets more intense. Than this? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, yes, it does. Um, whew. yeah. But uh, that entire run uh, is fantastic, and even the storylines that uh, might not have come back around yet, Jay. So it's 10 volumes, but there's actually an unnumbered volume. There's a volume zero. Because they did go back and do an entire miniseries of just Frank in Vietnam.
1: Which is a good story, too. Great story. It's a great um, story, yeah.
2: But all of those, granted, yeah, the, 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 certain, certain storylines tie back to others more directly. But that entire 11 issue or 11 volume thing is one giant continuity. Uh, I've always been saying that, that that's, that's the go-to. Like if you're ever going to make a Punisher TV show, here's your blueprint. Was that series? Yes. Cause yeah, it's the stories are varied. Uh, you know, one, a volume he's taken on uh, the mafia. The next, he's taken on some IRA bombers who've come to New York. And then he's, have you met McGinty yet? Have you got yes. that far? <laughs> <laughs> oh. He was in the, he was
0: in the second, the second volume. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. The I really, River Rats, the Jobs in Russia. Like every again, every six issues is, is roughly a new story arc. And every yeah. arc is different enough to not feel like the same old, same old, but builds off previous arcs. Everything's yeah. building towards one big kind of climax in volume ten. But uh, fantastic yeah. series, man.
1: Yeah, I I never read Welcome Bank Welcome Back Frank. Uh I never read that. I, I should read that. Uh, I also never read Punisher Warzone. I know a lot of people tout that one. Uh, that story. It wasn't Garth Ennis. That That's not Garth way Ennis. Way before Ennis. It was way before Ennis. Uh, but a lot of people still tout it. But my favorite Frank Castle scene is not a Garth Ennis scene. Okay. I don't even think it's in a Punisher comic. Okay. I want to say it's actually in damage control. Like when they had their own title. Okay, there's a scene and like, and I I, I, again, I don't remember if if it's a if it's a Punisher comic or a damn I think it's a Damage Control comic, but Frank Castle is looking for somebody. I don't know who. I don't remember. I don't remember anything about this story other than Frank Castle shows up in full Punisher like shirt. Guns hanging off of him, guns drawn, like he is in full-on intimidation mode, right? At the offices of Damage Control. He's looking for somebody, and he walks up, and he points a gun at the receptionist that's there. And he's like, you know, I'm here for such and such, or point me, or where can I find, boy, he's doing his full intimidation. And, and, like, there's another Marvel storyline that had happened... And, like, a bunch of the city was in ruins because of it. Because it was, like, a tie-in, you know, uh, story. And, literally, he points his gun at the receptionist who has her thing in And all she is, she looks up at him. And she looks back down at her phone and she goes, Damage control, I'm sorry, you're going to have to please hold. Damage control, will you please hold. Damage control. Because she's just fielding calls. She doesn't have time for Frank Castle. Like, like. He is the least of her concern right now because she's got so many calls coming in from what's going on. It's funny as shit. Uh,
0: one of the one of the ones I've read that I hadn't had a chance to get to yet. Uh he takes down a human trafficking ring. Mm-hmm. And uh there's a scene where he's standing in like a bookstore, like a Barnes and Noble. And he's got a book in front of him, and all you can see are like his eyes. And there's a person behind him that like walks up and says, can I help you find anything, sir? And he said, no, I'm good. And then you read the front of the book and it says, human anatomy. <laughs> and you're like, okay, Frank, what are you going to do with this information? Uh, let's just say he found a new way to torture somebody to get uh, information out of them. Nice. That sort of turned them into a human pinata. <laughs>
2: See, now I'm trying to think of my favorite Punisher moment. Oh, so be, many good ones. The opening of Volume 1 in the beginning is maybe like perfect, Frank. Because they, they half ass tried to do it in the, the movie Punisher they, Warzone, they, and it's they, a terrible they, movie. they, they fucked but, it up. Yeah, it starts with it, it shows you the method to the seeming madness that mm-hmm. is Frank Castle. He's, he's targeting a. A mob boss who's mm-hmm. celebrating his like one hundred and fifth birthday or something. Well,
1: yeah, the the the, the mob boss so they're they're celebrating the one hundredth birthday of the mob boss, yeah. but he's not the target, and Frank knows that. Hey, because hey, hey, hold on, hold yeah. on,
2: you're yeah. jumping the gun. All right, hold sorry, on. sorry. So yeah. the birthday party is happening. Yeah, and you see Frank walk in. Everyone's stunned. Oh my god, it's the Punisher. He puts a forty-five to the mob boss's head, pulls the trigger, oh. walks out, leaves. At first, you're like, w-? but then his narration kicks in. Yeah. He knows. Okay, it's going to take him ten seconds of "Holy fuck!" to punish her. Another five seconds to "Holy fuck!" you just shot the guy. Yeah. Another five after that for someone to get smart and come do something. Yeah. In that time, Frank is prepped. Oh yeah. This is him springing his trap. Yeah. Because yes, his target was not that boss. That was just the inciting it was, incident. It was a catalyst. Yeah. All, all the tough guys, the mafiosos, to come after him. <laughs> He's set up behind as a well. Or something? Uh, I,
1: yeah, it was like a it was like a retaining wall or something yeah. that he's he's set up at. He's yeah. got a full on yeah. Nam
2: era M60. Oh god! Yeah, yeah. pops up and starts <laughs> laying waste
1: yeah. to these Cause, guys because they come running out of those those French doors. You know, they, oh. they come running out with their their pistols pulled because
2: they're mob enforcers. Yeah, French thinks tactically, thinks militarily. They yep. come at him, and then there's a great line where he says, "Oh, somebody's been watching war movies. Gets the bright idea to flank me." And they show a, a handful of these mob guys like, oh, well, hold on. Don't go right at them. Let's go around in the tree line. And they go around in the tree line. Frank has the entire tree line rigged with claymores.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's got yeah, his rights
0: protected. Then, then there's the part where they all, they're like, get in the water. And he goes, wrong idea. <laughs> He's just laying into him in the water.
2: it, Yeah. It shows the method behind the seeming madness of Frank that he, the why he's been so successful as long as he yeah. has yeah. is he's thinking at a different level of the people he's taking on. So the, that's incredible. Yeah.
0: Also in this drug or in this human trafficking one, uh, he needs help from a social worker and she was in an incident at another point in Frank's life where like, she was on in a subway or something like subway station and he killed somebody and she saw it happen. And she's like, Oh my God, you're here to kill me for that. And she's like, I never told anybody who you were. I never told anybody you were the punisher. And he just goes, everybody knows I'm the punisher. Like, <laughs> who doesn't know Frank Castle is my name. You know, he's yeah. just sort of like, what do you?
1: He's like, I don't hide it. <laughs> I don't hide it lady. That that whole series just takes Frank Castle and and you know, Garth and it's just just oh God, he just presents it in such a raw light and it's got humor, it's got grittiness, it's got drama, it's Oh god, it's such a great series.
2: The only thing keeping yeah. me from calling the Max run a perfect run is it's missing one crucial character who only shows up in the Marvel Knights imprint Punisher, and that is the Russian. The Russians not in Max? He's in the Marvel Knights. He's not, not in, in
1: Max. Max. Oh. Damn. That's, but that's neither pitiful. here nor there. Great pick, Jay. That's pitiful. Yes. Yes. Awesome book. Scott? Scott. Top that. Dare to do better. Oh, I can't. I can't <laughs> I can't I can't top that. No, no. Punisher Punisher Max might be, you know, the the creme de la creme of stuff. Garth Ennis. Garth actually, first of all, Garth Ennis in pretty much everything he writes is great. Because didn't he do was it one hundred bullets that he wrote?
2: I think that was him. He has the it, Preacher as his other big pre,
1: one. Uh no, Preacher is uh is uh Neil Gaiman. No. Sorry, I'm I'm thinking sorry, uh my my brain, I'm thinking uh Sandman. No, yeah, Preacher is Garth Ennis as well. Yeah. Yeah, Garth Ennis in just about anything he writes is great. The man is 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 awesome uh, however I'm gonna jump off of that I'm gonna I'm gonna pop off of the the Garth and his train which is which is wonderful uh, and in one of my in, in my next staff pick looking at it through those glasses of what will we pick of things to read um, there's a book uh, I, I I've always really been partial to uh, I, I've liked the x-men you know and stuff going back to bringing it back to Marvel uh, I don't know why I said that because Gar- Punisher's Marvel as well. Uh, I just don't consider Garth Ennis Marvel. I, even his his Punisher stuff, I consider it Garth Ennis not Marvel. But, um, um, I like, there's a book, and I'm gonna hold it up here. I don't I don't know if this will ever see the light of day, and I don't know if you all have ever read this or not. It was written as a three-part, like, it wasn't individual issues. It was like book one, book two, book three, and then a couple of fillers. But, Uh, X-Men The End. Uh, Heard of it, hadn't read it. Oh, God, it is great. It is wonderful. And if you'll notice here, so first of all, on the cover of the the full graphic novel thing, which is the collection of all three um, uh, books, which is uh, Dreamers and Demons is the first one, Heroes and Martyrs. And uh, Man and X Men, which each 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 book is six episodes, six issues. The compilation of those on the cover, you have Jean Gray because it's very Jean Gray centric, even though I'm not a big Jean Gray fan when it comes to thing. And who is with Jean Gray? It is not Cyclops. It is Wolverine on the cover with them, uh, and it's great. Um, uh, it's 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 Chris Claremont. You know, basically saying, you know what, we're just gonna we're just gonna wrap up all of the eighty six hundred uh, uh, mutant X Men storylines that are out there. We're just gonna bring everything to a head. We're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna we're gonna stop it uh, and everything. We're gonna square off. We're gonna we're gonna bring uh, the Phoenix Force and Jean Grey back from the dead, and we're gonna do this. And we're just gonna wrap it all up. Uh, and it, 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 it's a wonderful series. Um, it, it opens, you've got uh, uh, Cyclops and Emma Frost running the school, which, I'm sorry, uh, when when Chris Claremont brought uh, Emma Frost in as kind of a headmistress and, and lover of Cyclops and a somewhat backhanded hero... She's not really a hero, but, you know. When she wasn't just an outright cheesy 80s villain with the... Uh, um, Hellfire Club. Yeah, Thank you. Hellfire Club and stuff. She actually became a character. Uh, and I love Cyclops with her much more than I do, do Jean Grey. I hate Jean Grey as a character. I hate the whole Phoenix thing. We just need to let it drop. But this brings it back back full circle because we're finally ending that storyline. Uh, it does a really good job. It focuses on more of uh, Jean Grey and Logan's attraction to each other than anything with Cyclops because I'm sorry he's just a whiny little bastard. Um, uh, uh, and <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a great storyline. If you haven't read it, you should read it. If you want me to you know i i'll I'll bring this to you tomorrow um you know since you forced me to read quiver uh uh and such it's it's really great and i will I will say my copy is signed by Chris Claremont you're loaning that to people no but I will learn it to loan it to you
2: A lot of Jay, responsibility yeah'm ready for that. yeah
1: Jay you can't have it um but uh, <laughs> But no, X Men: The End uh, is 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 a really good place to read X Men and and such. It's just it's uh, it's a culmination of the nineties. If you took all the nineties comics, you know, if you took all the nineties comics and just boiled them down into one penultimate story, this this is where it's going to end up at, and it's it's just really fun to read uh, wow. and such.
0: I was just going to throw in there the views of some of the hosts of uh, Nerd Alert are not the views of all the hosts of Nerd Alert. Uh, our views towards Cyclops are are not permissible in court. I don't know.
1: Or the fact that he's a whiny little bitch.
2: So, again, the, the views of some
1: do not represent all of us. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And if you have an issue with that, Scott. And <laughs> box, please send your hate mail too. I heard John Stamos at gmail.com. Here's my question, Scott. Yeah. Never if you've never read an
0: X-Men comic in your life. Yes. Do you pick this up and read it and you're okay?
1: Or is this something you oh. need preloading? Oh you? no no. If 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 you're wanting a jumping on point for, to X-Men, yeah, this is not it. <laughs> There is no such thing as
2: a good jumping on point to X Men. It does not exist, the, even when they market it as such. The, it does the, not. Exist. They, they can't help but overcomplicate X Men. The,
1: the the closest point you could get to a good to, to a recent good jumping on point for X Men would be the storyline where Beast brings the '60s X Men to the future, so that young Cyclops can talk to old Cyclops and make him see the error of his ways. But things go sideways. That
2: made it almost twelve issues before it
1: branched out <laughs> into five separate teams.
2: Before, and we exactly, over yeah. Overcomplicated,
1: but it's it's the best jumping on point you
2: could possibly get. But or start fresh and just go with Ultimate X Men from the early two thousands
1: because that is completely self contained and it's great. It really is. Uh, and 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 we can bring that up, you know, possibly later, possibly. But when it comes to X Men, the end. Here's the thing: if you're a fan of the X Men '90s cartoon. Okay. Which is a which is a decent distillation of like all the comics of the era that it pulled from. And you know the characters, I would recommend reading the Wikipedia entry for this and then reading this. The Wikipedia entry gives you some good context for what you're reading. Wouldn't that spoil? Ending. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? I will be honest. I don't know if it spoils the ending or not because okay. I've just I've just glanced through the Wikipedia entry for it. But um, okay, um, there also there's a, there's a there's a really great uh, scene in 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 X Men the end where uh, they're holding open a wormhole. It's, it's basically an Einstein Rosen bridge between Earth and I think it's Shi'ar. It's been a while since I've read through it. That would make sense. Where um, like on the Shi'ar end it's like five or six different mutants that are holding this this bridge open because they're bridging space-time you know? And they're using their powers and they're concentrating like hell. The other side is just Magneto. Like he's just got a hand out but he's holding conversation with other people. Like it's not even breaking a sweat. And, And somebody's like we beat him how? Like he's this damn, damn Yeah, friendship. <laughs> I guess, but yeah. He, so uh, the the whole book is really good. Um, and there's there's a little bit of backstory that you need you to know. And actually, I don't think uh, I don't think the 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 Wikipedia entry really like ruins it. It just gives you context. Um, you could maybe skip the last couple of chapters if you really wanted to, but, uh, the, the, the beginning, cause once again, it's, it's, it's in three different books and, and such, but yeah, cause all you really need to know at the beginning is, uh, Jean Grey is dead. Um, but there's an alternate reality daughter that kind of is the protagonist. Yeah. Once again, you're not wrong with the X Men. You're not. I can't. You know, you're not wrong. He's two sentences into the plot synopsis, it's already <laughs> overly complex because X
2: Men can't help themselves. <laughs>
1: they can't. They can't. But overall, it is good, and and I love this book. It's it's a great book, uh, and and everything. So yeah,
2: yeah, I'll give it a read. It sounds cool. Yeah, it's good. I've read X Men in forever. <sighs>
1: it's very good.
2: But your whole. Uh, um... You said if you've watched the X-Men cartoon from the 90s, it's a good primer to go into this? Yes. That's a perfect segue to my next pick. All right. Uh, Which you know is coming because I'm always going to recommend this on my staff picks. If we had a a physical wall of staff picks, this would never come off it. It's the book that got me into comic books. It is, for my money, the best comic book ever written. Uh, Again, comes to us from the Distinguished Competition, DC Comics. I'm talking about, from all the way back in 1996, from Mark Wade and Alex Ross, Kingdom Come. Oh, God, yes. Fuck Which yes. is a Marvel, sorry, DC World's <laughs> title, meaning what happens in this book is separate from the normal yeah. timeline continuity. This is a possible future of the DC
1: Universe. What happens here stays here, yeah.
2: Um, some comics since this has been written have kind of leaned a little more towards this but it's, it's not canon to anything um, it, it's its own self-contained story that being said if you ever watch the Justice League cartoon or know have a, a cursory knowledge of the DC universe get this book um, it's, it's a potential future where all the old guard have essentially retired or died off or have been replaced and supplanted by a whole new generation of superheroes that are not as altruistic as the ones who came before them. And that conflict of those old-school values and the new-school heroes and trying to forge a path forward, ultimately leading to, as the title would lead you to think, are perhaps our ultimate destruction. Uh, there's multiple factions, including Bruce Wayne working with Lex Luthor, which is like, what? Um, tons of allusions to to DC lore. Uh, everything from, like, you know, Meanwhile, the Legion of Doom. <laughs> Meanwhile? <stuff> like that. <laughs> Um, interesting futuristic takes on certain characters uh, again a lot of things that came from this book have been kind of written into canon like Roy Harper becoming Red Arrow um, Tim Drake becoming Red Robin uh, certain characters like that have come into have come into mainstream um, it's an amazing story it's sort of like uh, the Game of Thrones ish of DC Comics of drawing factions and different sides and, and this big political intrigue lots of beat-em-up stuff too Um, But another major, major selling point for this is artist Alex Ross. Uh, Uh, Normally in comics, the way the art is done, you have a penciler who does the art. then You have a a shader or an inker who comes in and does the ink lines over that. And then a colorist has multiple people kind of take over from the penciler doing the actual sketches. Alex Ross does everything himself. And Alex Ross paints every panel. Works in oils, right? Yeah, oils on canvas. Um, At least at the time this was written. He may have gone to a digital thing now. But in 96, uh, every single panel, every frame of this book is painted. It looks unlike any other comic you will see other than another Alex Ross comic. And those splash pages, which are the big two-page spreads of a big cool art thing, Alex Ross does a, a splash page. Better than anyone because it is every splash page could be framed up on a wall. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I've, Scott has a.
1: I've got the hardcover, so yeah.
2: Yes. Oh, God. Uh, found this at um, um, the other. Oh, mine is blank. Joseph Beth Booksellers. Back in high school,
1: I was going to say the other uh, comic book store.
2: <laughs> no, it was not in Tennessee, um, but yeah, it is. It is. It's just epic in every sense of the word. It is epic. It features pretty much every DC character you can think of is in there somewhere. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman, Green Lantern, uh, even lesser known people. Like Blue Beetle um, uh, has a the Shazam plays a major role. Uh, back when he was still allowed to be called Captain Marvel. Uh, it, it's 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 huge. It's epic. It's amazing. Um, if you have a, a passing knowledge, because at the time. When I started reading this, all I knew of DC was from the Justice League cartoons and the Super Friends cartoons. That's all I knew, and admittedly, there were things that I didn't understand, and references that went over my head, and characters who I didn't quite know what they are. But, well, I'm the kind of person where when I saw that, I was like, "Well, I want to know what that is. I want to know who that is. I want to. I want to find out more of this." And it it sent me down the rabbit hole I've yet to be able to dig out of. Um, but I will. I will never stop recommending this book. I will never recommend it highly enough. Um, if you're a DC fan and you've never read it, it is... I know a lot of people talk about um, Watchmen being like the Citizen Kane of comics. Fuck that. Kingdom Come is the Citizen Kane of comics. It is beautiful start to finish. Great, awesome story. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to give any plot points away. People that don't know me yet, but it is it is fantastic. It is, It is a... At its core, it's a story of the, the sort of Golden Age heroes finding themselves being replaced by 90s contemporary superheroes who are all about, you know, the guns and the pouches and the blow. you know More about having beat ups in the middle of the city than they are about actually helping people and the tension that that brings and the conflict that ensues when old heroes come out of retirement um, and think they know better than everybody. And uh, it will keep you guessing up to the last panel of the book. It's awesome.
1: Um, and Scott's is reading it right now. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm flipping I'm yeah, I'm, I'm flipping through my comic and, and everything cuz you you've got the you you've got your, your 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 every man that you don't know who it is at the beginning that you're following, you know, and it's it's you. It's the yes. reader, yeah. Uh taking you into this journey at at the beginning in act 1. And I'm loving this the 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 planet Krypton. Uh Theme restaurant that he goes to, yes, and and everybody's dressed like a Silver Age superhero. The Planet Hollywood of the superheroes. Planet Hollywood of superheroes. That is and so nineties.
2: I love it. Yeah. Yes, and
1: it's great. It's even got it's even got the the uh, the Adam West uh, bat suit is in a is in a glass case because it's the uh, it's the Planet Hollywood. It's the uh, the Hard Rock Cafe of of superheroes. Uh, at
2: one point, you get a brief look at the menu when they're all superhero-themed foods. It's yes, awesome. yeah.
1: oh, it's great. Uh, you know, it's just a little. It's just the details here uh, and everything. And then you get you get to the point where your your uh, your protagonist, your you character, is in the church and he's greeted by the specter. You know, and just that that image, that that panel of the specter coming coming through the wall you know, because he's phasing through the wall and everything. It's just...
2: It does have kind of a very uh, Dickensian <coughs> um, Christmas Carol kind of narration thing of, of it does. the Spectre taking him to places and showing him yes. things he couldn't possibly ever see. But again, yeah, the, the, the character is a POV character for the audience. Yes,
1: so. yes. And then you get that, you know, Superman in retirement with the coveralls and the beard and he's just he's just fixing the barn. Uh, yeah. and, and everything, um, yeah, just the the whole the whole thing about this comic, the 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 way the story is laid out, the way the panels are laid out, the way the story is told, it's just, you know, your 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 allusion to Charles Dickens is spot on. It's great.
2: Can't recommend it highly enough. Go read Kingdom Come by Mark Waid and Alex Ross. It, I don't think it's been out of print since '96. I don't think they go more than three years without doing a new print of Kingdom Come. So, uh, yeah, mine is the sort of bare bones soft cover. Scott has a much nicer hardcover edition there, but uh, yeah, you, you throw a rock at a comic store or a bookstore, you'll probably find it. So Jay? I believe we're back to Jay.
0: So, this friend of mine. He's a huge comic book nerd. Like him already. <laughs> he uh, he knows that I love Deathstroke um, because I I cosplay as Deathstroke. Mine uh, like an Arrowverse version of uh, Deathstroke. And he was nice enough uh, this year at LCTC to do a comic book, like an old school comic book version of Deathstroke, which was pretty awesome. It was like... Combination of Deathstroke. Anyway, my point is, he recommended to me that I read a volume of Deathstroke, um, and I actually ended up buying. I think I have four. Yeah, I have four volumes of this Deathstroke run, uh, and the ones I'm going to recommend are volumes one and two. So, volume one is Tony Daniel is the writer.
1: Tony, for is it two- the New Fifty Two era? I think so. To- yeah, Tony Danza. Yeah, I liked him. And who's the boss? Yeah.
0: Uh, so the first one, volume one, is titled <laughs> Gods of War. And then the second one is The God Killer. So what I love about it is, is the first one, Gods of War, is a good introduction. If you don't know Deathstroke, it'd be a good sort of like, here you go. Jumping uh, out
2: points.
0: S- start here. I mean, there's going to be some stuff that's confusing, but it'll flesh itself out eventually, so it's not too bad. It's a good starter for him, um, and the huge reason that I would recommend it is there is an epic, epic fight with Batman in that first volume. Uh, I think it's an entire issue <laughs> like dedicated to this fight with Batman. And it's like a throw-down, drag-out huge fight between the two of them. It was awesome to read. I really enjoyed it. But the second volume, The God Killer, uh, I don't want to spoil too much because it's it's awesome, but Slade Wilson Deathstroke is gifted a sword uh, and I can't pronounce his name. Is it Hep- Hephaestus?
2: Hephaestus, yep.
0: Hephaestus, uh, the armorer of the gods, creates a sword, forges a sword called the God Killer, and gives it to Deathstroke to go kill a god. And where does he have to go kill the god? On Themyscira. Why does that name sound familiar? Because that's where Wonder Woman lives. So Wonder Woman shows up. Deathstroke fights Wonder Woman. And then there's some awesome panels where all you see are fists. In front of you, and you're like, "Oh shit! I know who this is." So then, Deathstroke has a fight with Superman in this uh, this volume. So and it all comes to a head in the last part of it, the conclusion of it. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's really awesome. It it showcases Slade Wilson's like, "I don't give up. I'm not gonna stop. I got this job." I'm going to finish the job sort of side of him, but also his cocky. Like, I I just really enjoy his sarcasm and his commentary during the whole thing. Like I got hired to kill this God. I'm going to go kill this
2: fucking God. Yeah, it's, it's the elevator pitch is okay. So the greatest assassin in, in the DC universe, Deathstroke is hired to kill a god. If that doesn't intrigue you, I don't know yep. how to help you. Uh, yeah, and it's such an awesome storyline, just illustrating why he's such a badass and showing him to do so many cool things and bringing in so many cool characters. It's uh, such yeah. a great, such a great run. Yes, uh, I
0: really enjoyed that. I enjoyed. I really did enjoy the first volume. Um, I got, I've gotten through the other ones as well, but Harley Quinn in the first volume, when he meets up with her and sets him up in Gotham city, cause there's like, there's, he's looking for his son who happens to be in Gotham city, but you know, when he goes to Gotham city, that he's going to run into Batman eventually. And this, just, I just remember the end of the, the end of the issue. Cause it's a trade. But the end of the issue that I'm assuming that it's in is Harley's like, what a cliffhanger. What's going to happen next? And then it's just, she's egging them on the whole time. And at the end of it, she goes, yeah, I I, I knew you were here, like, for a different reason. But I already had this set up because I thought you double-crossed me. So I, I just went ahead and did it anyway. So <laughs> it's it's good. I That's, yeah. If you want to get into if you if you like Deathstroke as a character, like I did, this is a good way to break into that and get the comic book side of it, not just um, one version of it. And if you ever saw him on like, oh, what is that game? Injustice. Injustice, yeah. If you ever see him in Injustice, and you're like, I wonder who this guy is. That's because that's kind of how I got. So that that was the Obi John pitch to me was like. I think you referred to him as uh, the DC version of the Punisher, but also has healing
2: ability. So he is the character Deadpool is parody. Yes. Huh. So there's yes, Deathstroke came first. So that is my next pick for a pick. A comic. Good pick. That was one of the few things to come from
1: New Fifty Two that I really enjoyed. Was that run on Deathstroke? That was really good. Deathstroke is one of the few characters I've not read in the comics, so yeah, I don't know, I don't know much about him outside of the the cartoons and the live action and stuff. He can fluctuate
2: wildly depending on which incarnation of the character you're reading. Yeah. Sometimes he has powers. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes his suit has the powers and he doesn't. And it's sometimes we can't call him Deathstroke because it's a kids' show, so we have to call him Slade. Yeah. Look he's at the, the Teen
0: Titans. He's the bacon of the DC universe. You could add him to anything.
2: And... Jake and I pitched an entire Deathstroke movie at one point <laughs> in our old show. I'd watch that, but uh, yeah, we're fans. You could say.
1: Good pick. Uh, Coxie, anything else? You know what? Um, I've got uh probably seventeen more things. Uh, because comics are just that varied and everything. But yeah, we our time is running limited and everything. So as far as things that I just have to get out, get off my chest, uh, and say you need to read this. Uh, um, no, not right now. Okay, I'll save it Fair for enough. future future episodes. Then I've got one more to pitch. Go ahead, I will
2: cut the other two off my list if I if I can can do this one. I've taught only DC so far, but you guys know me, and I'm also a big Marvel fan. I like everything. I'm a fan. I don't have to choose. I can I can read everything.
1: So you're gonna <laughs> pitch an image title? Got it. Yes.
2: No. <laughs> um, so I pitched Green Arrow. Wow, shocker! <laughs> pitch Kingdom Come. So if you know me, you know what character I'm going. We're going to Marvel, and my favorite Marvel character is Thor, far and away. I love Thor. I love a good Thor comic. I love everything about the character. I love that he's he's shouldn't really be a superhero, but he works. That we we just cribbed stuff from Norse mythology and through, you know sprinkled some superhero we stuff into it, and basically made a whole new version of the character. Uh, the the Marvel Thor uses all the mythology. Of, of the Norse culture as background for this Thor. Uh, I love that concept. I love that idea. And four, depending on what era and who you're reading, can get really weird. You can get that whole cosmic Jack Kirby stuff where he's more space than God, uh, sort of where the, the later movies have been kind of, pushing towards, um, you know, Viking ships pulled by goats in space, that kind of weird stuff. Um, you can go straight superhero where he has an alter ego and he you know, hits the cane and transforms and, you know, by day I'm going to and then I hit this cane and now I'm Thor. You can do that kind of thing. You know, Thor is a very malleable character. However, this is the book that sealed the deal for young John Peacock and maybe fall in love with his character. Uh, it goes by a couple different names. Uh, the volume I have is called The Mighty Thor Disassembled. It's also sold as Avengers disassembled Thor or Thor Ragnarok. Not to be confused with the movie, uh, depending how it's published. Um, cause it was part of a larger Avengers disassembled arc.
1: What, what, yes. what wasn't he also Thor the butch? Yes.
2: Yes, he was. <laughs>
1: uh, this arc
2: is from 2004. Um, see, I'm trying to get through it fast. You're making jokes now. I'm I can't
1: help it. Uh,
2: Written by hold on, uh, written by Mike Avon Deming with uh, illustrations by Andrea DeVito. It's great. This is Thor by way of Lord of the Rings. Uh, this is straight up mythology, mythological Thor. It starts with a prologue of the creation of Mjolnir. Uh, with full on elves and dwarves and a dying star... Uh, built into a forge and all that great mythology stuff. And then it jumps into some of the more superhero-y kind of things. Uh, but it is the story of the coming of Ragnarok, The end of the world is coming, and Thor is desperately trying to fight against it. It features a stupid cast of supporting characters. It has everybody you could want in a Thor story, including Loki, Sith, Baldur, all of the Warriors 3, look the Troll, Beta Ray Bill, Odin, Hela, the Ma- the Mangog, Surtur, and uh, at least one issue has cameos from uh, uh, Iron Man and Captain America. So that's one of those. What does he miss call the Avengers? He does at one point. It doesn't get the job done. Huh. Uh, this is a tour de force of the Thor in comics, and it leans hard into Thor as a mythological character. It's more magic than sci-fi. Um, it, it goes to some of the core mythology of Thor and Odin and reinterprets it for the comic age amazing drop down knock down drag out fights uh, Asgard is at siege at one point point. there's a huge battle to try to turn the tide again this is this is more to do with Lord of the Rings than it does like you know goofy space stuff and don't get me wrong I love my goofy, goofy space stuff my Kirby Crackle and all that but <clears throat> This is the story that made me fall in love with the character, and this is my preferred version when we get into Thor stories. Is I like mine to lean more mythology than than technology or whatever. Um, try to look over my notes and make sure I didn't forget anything. You had me at battery bill. Uh, I... <laughs> Again. I can't say it has every Thor character you'd want, and then exclude Beta Ray Bill, and when yeah. he get he gets a whole splash
1: page to show up, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and and the day we get good Beta Ray Bill on on screen, I'm gonna be happy. But um, this wasn't it wasn't was it during this story that uh, Thor has the confrontation with uh, Tony because of the Thorbot. Uh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I don't remember when that story happens, but yeah.
2: This is, spoiler, the death of Thor. Ah. Uh, at this point in the comics, they were doing the entire Avengers Disassembled storyline, and this storyline is is how Thor dies. Which The storyline you're talking about was yeah. several years later when he came back from the dead.
1: Yeah, because while he was dead, that's when Tony created the Thorbot. Tony makes the, the, the clone of Thor... That
2: afterwards is recalled riding a rock and it kills giant man and or Goliath. It's the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, not to dissuade from this comic, but that scene where he comes back and because Tony keeps pushing the issue, Tony keeps get, Thor keeps trying to get rid of him and just go away from him. Stop.
2: What? We're talking about this comic. I know. Not I can't. cool. We will get to that comic <laughs> at a later date. So I sure.
1: can't help it. You're talking about it. a
2: comic written, like, five years later. I can't help it. A completely different author. I can't uh, help it. Don't get me wrong. We'll get the J. Michael Straczynski's Thor run. Trust oh me. But God. it won't be today. It's a
1: beautiful run.
2: Yes. Um, but, yeah, so Thor, again, the version I have is called Thor Disassembled. That's also sold as Avengers Disassembled Thor or just Thor Ragnarok. Uh, it collects Thor issues 80 to 85 from 2004. Um it's fantastic. Find a copy. Can't recommend it highly enough. As
1: well and that's too. it for me today. Yeah. I'm going to have to read that one. Once you once you get me caught up on 75 years of Green Arrow. Uh, I'll bring you Welcome Back Frank. And then after that, I'll bring you. Well, I'm hoping to have uh, the, the, the latest trade that you gave me of Green Arrow after Quiver uh, back to you Friday. So you want to plan for whatever you want to bring me next on Friday, we'll only have 75 more to go. (laughs) Jay, what would you like to read? What can we send you? Can we send you Kingdom Come? Um, no. Fine. Just, 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 just shitbox on all of our stuff here.
2: Can, Can we send you Welcome Back, Frank, some more Garth and his Punisher? Yeah. I
1: would
0: I would or if I could find it myself, but I also want to find the other I would like to get the other five volumes, volumes of, of uh, or Max. of I guess I could find the volume zero of yeah, Frank which, in Vietnam. Which as well. you should.
1: I would highly recommend that you complete your collection of Punisher Max because it's a wonderful run. Yeah, and and you are completely correct. Everybody out there should read that 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 series. If you're a comic book fan, you're gonna you're gonna love it.
0: If you like the dark, gritty, gory, very and, bleh well, and version and,
1: and, of Frank and, Castle, and, and, and much and, and more realistic, like it, it grounds yep. it a little bit in realism. Now, once again, I'm not saying it's a hundred percent real; it's still comic book. But yes. you know, Garth Ennis tries to tries to keep the story as logical as he can and as grounded in reality as he can.
2: It exists in a world with Avengers and X-Men, but he has very little interaction with any of that world. I think the the closest he gets to any of that stuff is the Nick Fury stuff. Yeah. I just want to see
0: a film or TV adaptation of um, Pitsy and um, Ink from uh, Nick, Nicky, was it Cav- Nicky Cavelli or Cavetti or whatever's crew? Yeah. Cause that. Uh, as
2: Wait till two... you read Garth Ennis' version of a team-up between Punisher and Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> it involves the Russian. God, I need to watch that again, or read that again. Oh, I need to watch
0: the Punisher again. I, that, I found out Megan has never seen that movie, so we're going to watch that sometime.
1: Good choice. That's a beautiful movie. That fight with the Russian is great.
2: Well, before we get on that topic, because we're here to talk about comics this week, we're going to go ahead and end it. Thank you for listening to our giant oversized issue of Nerd Alert. <laughs> uh, those are the comics we recommend. Um, Garth Ennis' Punisher Max entire run, but specifically Volumes 1, 3, and 5, X-Men The End, V for Vendetta, uh, Deathstroke, the Godkiller story arc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thor disassembled, Kingdom Come, Green Arrow, uh, crawling through the wreckage. Did I forget anything? Captain America,
1: the Brew run.
2: Captain America, yeah, the entire Brew run. The of entire Brew run, yeah. From the, the early 2000s. Uh, you can't go wrong with any of those. And let us <sighs> one, know. Go ahead. One, three, and four of Punisher. Three guy, and four, sorry. It's one, one uh... three, and four. The entire <laughs> yeah. 11 volumes are fantastic, but we're going <laughs> to highlight those today. Um,. What did we leave off the list? What do you recommend we should read? Maybe we've already read it. We'll talk about it next time. Uh, did you enjoy this episode? Do you want to hear more? Because we've all got more to recommend. Uh, but until next time, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.